our text, sermon text this morning is taken from the Gospel of Luke. If you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, that text is also printed for you in the bulletin. Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading verses 38 through 42. Everybody awake? Kind of got that, that time change hangover going. All right, Luke, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. Just pray with me. Father, would you meet with us now and open your word to us? Would you speak to us as we sit and listen? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was reading uh, Time Magazine a week or two ago, and there's an article in the back of it by a guy named Joel Stein, or Stein, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, but he wrote a column, uh, and the title of it was this. Yeah, that was it. The title, the title of it was, Nice Work If You Can Avoid It, in which I take a break from my idle life to defend American laziness. Uh, he said in, in the article, he says, people like me have worked not hard to replace the work ethic with the leisure ethic. We value innovations such as Angry Birds, Avatar, and Facebook instead of laying down railroad track and getting to the moon. We have even invented a euphemism for laziness, work-life balance. Just like not so long ago we invented a euphemism for narcissism, Oprah. Now, <laughs> I, I wonder how many times Oprah's been slammed in sermons. You know, I, I'm starting to feel, Oprah, if you're listening, we're sorry, we don't mean it. Um, but while he makes this case that Americans are becoming more and more lazy over the years, he concludes by saying this, we work more hours than any other industrialized nation, and it's getting us nowhere but miserable. We work, even though we're getting lazier, we still work more hours than any other industrialized nation, and it's getting us nowhere but miserable. Uh, a friend of mine, John Stone, was preaching on this passage several years ago at RUF Summer Conference. I was at RUF as a campus ministry. I was on staff for that ministry at Appalachian State University. Uh, and every summer, college students from all over the nation gather in Panama City, Florida, uh, for what they call Summer Conference. And he was he was preaching on this passage and saying, you know, some of you are working too much, you need to quit studying so much, working so hard, being driven by your schoolwork. And he stopped and he said, now this isn't going to apply to all of you. Uh, some of your colleges, this is right where you are. Others of you, you won't feel the impact of this so much. And now, remember, I'm, I'm at Appalachian State, which is finally known as, as Play SU. Uh, and we had a group of students sitting there, and one girl who was a pre-med major sat, and she was in a very self-aware moment. She looked at all the other students, and she said, he's not talking to any of you. You don't have any struggle studying too much. He's just talking to me tonight. Uh, it wasn't a message that necessarily connected with App State students. Now, if Wofford students had been there, on the other hand, 
uh, it very much would have connected with them. I think I think Martha is a Wofford student. Sorry, um, she she is she is very driven. She is a leader. She is busy doing stuff. So I say all that to say some of you this morning are kind of going to go. I don't know, but others of you, this may hit you right where you are. Uh, if you're driven, if you're busy, if you're working. Now the rest of you who are kind of unmotivated, we'll get you another day. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come around for you. But uh, while this speaks to busy, anxious, stressed out people, I think more of us are busy and anxious and stressed out than we might want to admit. Uh, and I think it's possible for us to be not so busy on the outside, but to have very busy, anxious, stressed out hearts, even though everybody can't really see it. Uh, so busy, so consumed with our own anxieties that we can't take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Uh, my wife Susan's parents live in Georgetown, uh, and they live there on Winyah Bay. And when they moved in a few years ago, they decided that they were going to build a dock from the house out into the bay. Now, if you've ever been to Winyah Bay, you know that uh, it's not a place where you want to lose your car keys in the dirt because it's not really dirt, it's not really sand, it's just stuff they call pluff mud. Uh, if you drop anything into it, it just sucks in and it disappears. If you try to walk through it, you can't get anywhere at all. And so if you're trying to drive down pilings for a dock, well, they're going to get stuck in it, but they're not going to be very stable. It's just kind of this muddy goop. And so you have to drive them down deep. You have to get through the pluff mud down into the layer of dirt, uh, and rock and stone beneath that if you're going to have any stability to the dock that you're building. Uh, I'd argue that for many of us, we're sort of stuck in the pluff mud of life. We're busy, we're running around, we're doing stuff, we're stressed out, but we're just kind of fighting against it. We're not getting anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not satisfied. We're not really happy. And I'd say that we're, we're trying to anchor ourselves in something that is inherently not stable. We're trying to anchor ourselves there in the pluff mud instead of going down deep and sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ. Let me set the scene for you. It's pretty self-explanatory here. Uh, Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha. Uh, Martha welcomes him in. It says it's her house actually. Uh, she welcomes Jesus into her house and then she starts cleaning and cooking and getting things ready for Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, sits at Jesus' feet and listens to him. Uh, Martha is freaking out at this point. Uh, she's, she's, she's looking at Mary, uh, and she's like, Mary, why don't you get up and do something? You know, Mom always liked me more. I'm so tired of you not helping with anything. Why don't you get up and do something? And she looks at Jesus and says, this isn't fair. Why don't you tell her to do something. And then Jesus says this, and I'll read it again for us. Verse 41. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. All right, what's the point this morning? All right, kids, if you're listening, uh, the point is, when you go home from church today and your mom asks you to clean up the table, you need to run to your room and open your Bible and say, Mom, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, the point of the story is this. 
Uh, Martha is trying to find stability in the plough mud. And she's stuck there and she's running 100 miles an hour. And Mary has chosen simply to sit at the feet of Jesus. She knew she wasn't going to find life just running around. She was going to find life at the feet of Jesus. And so what we're going to do is basically we're going to contrast two things. What it looks like to be stuck in the plough mud. What it looks like to not sit at the feet of Jesus. And then what it looks like to sit at the feet of Jesus. Alright, first of all, what it looks like to not sit at the feet of Jesus. When you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus, very often you're consumed with busyness. You're consumed with work. You're consumed with the task at hand. Verse 40, Mary was distracted by much serving. Alright, she's getting the sweet tea ready and the sweet potatoes and shucking the corn and she's got the roast in the oven and everybody's cleaning everything up. The, the creator of the universe has come over to, to sit and to talk with her. And look, it's not wrong for her to try to get dinner ready. Dinner needed to be gotten ready. They needed to eat. But it's all she can see. It's become a non-negotiable in her life. You know, I think about this text. If what if what if Jesus had texted Martha and she had had four hours to get ready for him coming? That would have been the worst four hours of Mary's life, wouldn't it? Because Martha would have been, been freaking out. We've got to get everything ready. We've got to clean this. We've got to dust this. We've got to vacuum this. Martha's heart is saying, "I cannot be happy. I will not be happy until this gets done." And then I cannot be happy until this gets done. And then this gets done. And then this gets done. When all of this gets done, then I'll find time for a relationship with Jesus. And look, being consumed by work, by busyness, can take on a lot of different forms. It can be your job, where there's always one more thing you've got to get done. It can be your school where you never take a day without studying. Where you can't imagine going two days without studying. It can be getting things done around home where that list never ends. It can be activities that the kids are involved in where you're gone every night of the week. There's always something going on somewhere. It can be homeschooling where there's always one more thing I've got to teach. And you feel this pressure, oh, I've got to teach that too. And it's not just our work and our school, it can be our leisure activities as well. well let, me, let, me, let me just change my fantasy football roster one more. Let me check it one more. Let me check the stock market one more. I need to, just one more glance and that I'll just be on Facebook for a minute. There are just a couple of songs I need to download from iTunes. And, and, and then f just five more minutes. Just one more phone call. Just one more text. Let me, let me check the Gamecocks message board. There's this guy there recruiting for 2017. He's at Pauline Glen Springs in the fifth grade right now. And they're going to win when they get in. We're just so busy with everything that we don't find time to simply sit at the feet of Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Him. Well, what's going on there? What's behind all the busyness? Why are we so busy? 
some of us are using our busyness to avoid intimacy with God and intimacy with other people. Using our biz, our busyness to avoid intimacy with God and intimacy with other people. Because you're afraid if you slow down enough to actually let people into your life, they're going to see that you're not necessarily who you've been portraying yourself to be. That you don't have everything together as much as you would like to think like them to think that you do. That you're not Superman or Superwoman. You're scared that they might see the real you. You're scared that they're going to see the blemishes and the inadequacies in your life. That, that, that the image you've been putting out there for everybody is going to be shattered. And so you hide behind busyness. I'm too busy. I don't have time to build a relationship with you. Another reason we can't slow down is because in the midst of our boredom, when we start to slow down and there's nothing to do, we start realizing how empty our lives really are. We can't handle that, and so we've got to keep moving, doing something. Uh, Some of us are busy because we've got this image in our minds of what a productive, successful person's life looks like and so you've got this image and it's not from Jesus but you've got this image that you've created and you believe that your worth comes from your productivity I have value because of what I get done every day and so you're driven and you're exhausted or either you're living with this low-grade guilt all the time that I really ought to be getting more done if I was really worthwhile If I was really a good person, I'd be doing more. Uh, Some of us, again, are just busy maintaining that image. I'm productive, I'm successful, I'm put together for other people. Now, uh, this is one of the reasons that so many of us have such a hard time inviting other people over to our homes. Because our homes represent us. And we don't want to let people see how messy we really are. And, and, and I've heard over the years just every reason in the world for why I can't have people over. It's my house is too big. My house is too nice. I'm embarrassed by it. My house is too small. My house is too messy. I'm not going to show you who I really am. I can't show you who I really am. I've got to have time to put on uh, an image to dress it up for you because we're scared of people seeing who we really are. That we, we have no righteousness. That we're not all together. Because we're scared if they, they really see me, if they really know me, they're not going to love me. They're not going to accept me. If God really sees me, if He really knows me, He's not going to love me. He's not going to accept me. Uh, others of us are busy because we have... Can I make that noise anymore? Hang on. I can fix this. It's hot anyway. Uh, some of us are busy because we've got this agenda that we want to accomplish. Alright? Uh, and we want Jesus to baptize it for us. Can you see Martha here? Lord, tell her to help me. Lord, I know what needs to be done and you know what needs to be done so why don't you tell her 
to help me get it done. Lord, I'm doing this all for you. No, you're not, Martha. You're doing it for you. Lord, I'm doing this for your glory. No, you're not, Martha. You're doing it for your glory. Some of us are busy because we're trying to control our worlds. If I can just put in this many hours, I'm going to have enough money to be secure, to be safe, to be stable. If I can just get the kids involved in this activity, then everything's going to work out and they're going to make it to college. They're going to be successful. They're going to be stable. There's just one more thing I've got to do for them in their life is going to be okay. I can control it. I can fix it. Now think about how all these tie together, being consumed by whatever, whatever form of dizziness for whatever reason. They're all tied together by this. At the end of the day, we're busy because we're serving ourselves. Uh, sometimes even when we do things that look like we're serving others, we can be serving ourselves right in the midst of all of that. Uh, even when something needs to be done, something good is being done. Martha, listen, Martha's doing something that she should have been doing. This needed to be done. She needed to get things ready for Jesus. But even in the midst of all of that, we can be serving ourselves. Our own hearts can be very far from Christ. Uh, our words reveal that who we're really serving is ourselves. Now, you might say here, now wait, aren't there times when people are just legitimately busy? And the answer is yes, of course. Certainly there are. Um, but here's some things you ought to look at in your heart. Some warning signs that might tell you you're not legitimately busy. You're just trying to find life in the pluff mud and you're stuck there. Uh, look at Martha here. She is irritable with other people. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. And you can just feel her glaring at Mary in the midst of this. Are you, do you find yourself just irritable with other people? And, and who of us haven't been there? I mean, you're the only one who shows up. Why isn't anybody helping me? You're the only one working in the kitchen. Why isn't anybody helping me? Your mom asked you to set the table. Why isn't anybody else helping me set the table? And so you're irritated with other people. Is that you? Are you, are you finding yourself in the busyness easily upset by other people? Are you upset with all the incompetent people in your life? You know, all, why are all these stupid people running around? Can't anybody get anything done except me? Are you upset with everybody? Who are you really serving? Why are you really serving? Uh, Martha's irritated with other people, and she's irritated with Jesus too. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? Aren't you paying attention here? Don't you love me? You know, we can be flying around 90 to nothing, involved in the best kinds of service, and we're aggravated with Jesus. 
We can't sense His presence. We feel like He's left us. And Jesus is saying to you, I didn't give you all this stuff to do. You, you decided to do You put all of this stuff on yourself. You gave yourself this stuff to do and you made it all non-negotiables, emotional non-negotiables in your life. I'm not telling you to do all that stuff. You're doing that to yourself. You're irritated with other people. You're irritated with God and a wreck on the inside. Maybe maybe nobody sees it, but but you know you're stressed out. You're worried. You're anxious. You're depressed. You've got a list of non-negotiables. I've got to get these things done, and I'm not going to be happy until I get these things done. I'm not going to rest until I get these things done. And all you people need to help me get these things done. And God, you need to tell them to help me get these things done. I don't need to sit and listen. I know what needs to be done. Lord, you need to make it happen. And we're saying, Lord, it's all for you. It's your agenda. I'm doing this for you. And Jesus is saying, no, Martha. No, Justin. It's not about me. It's about you. It's your agenda. It's not my agenda. It's for your glory. It's not for my glory. Why is Martha stuck here? Why the turmoil? Well, she's serving herself, but, but, but what else here? I think the other thing going on here is that she's ignoring what Jesus has done for her. She's forgetting how much Jesus loves her. Jesus wants a relationship with her. I mean, Jesus, if you read the Gospels, Jesus loves Mary and Martha. He hadn't shown up at her house to inspect her cooking, uh, to see how clean her house is, to see how smart her children are, to see how well-behaved the dog is, to see how much Bible she knows, to see how confident she is. He loves her. And he simply wants to spend time with her. He didn't have to go to her house that day. Now, he could have gone to any house, but he chose to go to her house. He chose to go to her house. He sought her out. And even when he corrects her here, he, he does it with great compassion and love. Martha, Martha. And throughout the Bible, when you see names double white, does it communicates this great love and compassion. David weeping over his son, Absalom, Absalom. Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Martha, Martha. You're so empty. I don't want to see all your work. You don't need to prove yourself to me by all your hard work. I love you. I love you. Well, what's needed here? How do you get out of the fucking mud? Verse 42. Only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. What did Mary do? She just sat at Jesus' feet and she listened to his teaching. In the Bible, to sit at somebody's 
creed carries this connotation of placing yourself under their authority, listening to them, submitting to them. Mary says, it's not my agenda, it's not my plan, but it's your agenda and your plan, and I want to sit and listen to you. I want to have a relationship with you. She sits and she listens and you just speak the very word of God. John Snow tells the story of his Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob lived in a single wide trailer on a half acre land somewhere in South Carolina. When he died, they found out he had all this money and stuff in this trailer that nobody knows about. And they were, knew about it. There was a special actually about him made for PBS, but it wasn't about all the money. It was about what Uncle Bob used to do every night. Uncle Bob would go out on the back porch of his trailer and he would sit there and he would just hold his hands open with food in them. And wild animals would drift out of the woods and eat food out of his hands. He got wild turkeys coming up and eating. He had deer coming up and eating. He had foxes coming up and eating. There was even a panther that everybody thought was extinct until he came up out of the woods and ate out of Uncle Bob's hands. Every night he would simply sit quietly and wait for them to come. You know, we have a really hard time simply sitting still and being quiet and waiting. Sitting still, being quiet, sitting at the feet of Jesus and waiting and listening to his word, for listening, listening to his teaching. See, here's what a lot of us try to do with, with Jesus' word, um, with him speaking to us. Uh, we try to do this drive-by Bible reading, drive-by prayer. We know we're supposed to do it, and so, alright, and so we, we flip through it in the morning, you know, as we're eating our cereal all the way out the door, oh, I didn't do it this morning, I'm sitting in, so we give ourselves five minutes or whatever to read the Word of God. Why, why do we do that so rapidly? Why is it so quick in our lives? What else is what we want to do? Because we're convinced there's more life out here and all the stuff I've got to get done, and this is where I've got to go, and this is what I've got to do. Okay, I'll read the Bible, now let's give you all this stuff so we don't sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his word. Uh, Tim Keller tells a story of uh, a Bible teacher many years ago who uh, told his class, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one verse from the Bible, and I think the verse was, follow me and I'll make you picture with men. And I want you to take this verse, I want you to go up by yourself, and I want you to sit there for 30 minutes and write down every insight you can get from this one verse. Alright? And he, he went and he said, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. To look at this verse and find, I think find 30 things about it in 30 minutes and come back and report to the class. And so they do this and they come back and the teacher asks them, alright, everybody share the most significant insight you got from that verse during the 30 minutes. And so they all share their insights. And then he says, or she says, um, now here's my question. How many of you got that insight in the first five minutes? How many people got that insight in the first ten minutes? Nobody raised your hand. How many people got that insight in the first fifteen minutes? 
And so it was as they sat with that verse, as they sat with the Word of God and just pondered it and thought about it, that they began to figure out what it was saying. And the Lord gave them insight into that text. See, we, and of course, just, we can't be drive-by Bible reading and expect to know Jesus. Now, and here's what some of you are going to do today. We, we read our Bibles because I'm supposed to read my Bible. And so we feel guilty and say, all right, I'm supposed to be doing that. That's what Christians are supposed to do. And it's just this legalism we love that. Check it off. I've, I've, I've got that done. I can feel better about it now. But it's not about that. It's not about doing something because you're supposed to do it. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. Because this is how we do it. Because this is how we meet with him. Because this is how we hear his word, because he comes and he speaks to us in the scriptures. And so we've got to stop all the business and simply open his word and pray and think about it and meditate on it. And all that is so hard for us. It's so hard for me because we have these big control issues. Well, if I, if I take time to do this, then I don't have time to do all this other stuff. And this is this is got if I don't do it, then it's all going to fall apart. And we've got to remember who it is that wants to meet with us. And that he's the one who's actually in control of all this other stuff. And it's not going to fly apart if you're not there doing it. I find it interesting that this passage comes uh, right before a passage on prayer in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, in fact, it comes right before chapter 11, this te- Jesus teaches his disciples, his disciples on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and, and in this section, he says this, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, or instead of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him to sit at His feet and ask? He's not going to give you bad gifts. The Father delights to give you good gifts. Uh, Paul Miller said this in his book of Praying Life. When you stop trying to control your life and instead allow your anxieties and problems to bring you to God in prayer, you shift from worry to watching. You watch God weave His patterns in the story of your life. Instead of trying to be out front, designing your life, you realize you are inside God's drama. As you wait, you begin to see Him work. And your life begins to sparkle with wonder. You are learning to trust the dead. Guys, you, you are not, I am not, we are not in control. And the most pressing need you have is not to be in control. It's not to gain control. It's not to give other people the illusion that you're in control. It's not to design your life, to design your children's life for this wonderful thing that you want it to be. The most pressing need that you and I have is the need for relationships. You are made for relationships. You are made for relationships with other people. And you are made for a relationship 
Jesus, the one who is in control. And, and what some of us need to hear today is, Martha, Martha, stop all of your deadly doing. Stop all of the doing and sit at my feet. I'm in control and I love you. And see, for some of us, this, this, what, what we think we want well, to go do more stuff, and we don't believe this gospel good news. Martha, I love you. I love you. Sit at my feet. Have a relationship with me. We pray for us. Jesus, would you turn us away from all of our working and help us to rest in your work. Help us to rest in what you have done. And to come and sit at your feet and listen to you and pour out our hearts to you. Help us, Jesus. We ask you to do this. Amen.